This is episode number 434, how to create more romance in your relationship with Joey. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. everyone. Welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed my new year's ritual part one and part two. Part one was all about releasing the past year and part two was about stepping into this new year. It's not too late to go back and do it. If you haven't yet, I have many people that message me and say, it's just been such a great process for them and they look forward to it every year and that it really supportive and really works. So if you haven't gone through the ritual, definitely go back and check out those episodes. So today, the title, how to be more romantic in your relationship. Well, (laughs) this isn't about suggestions for romantic evenings. It really is more about, guess what? Doing your own work and not expecting your partner to bring all the romance to you. One of the most romantic things we can do in relationship is fully accept our partner for who they are and not expect them to be any different. And at the same time, express our needs and teach them how to treat us through our own actions. We'll dive into this more with Joey. Before we dive into it more, I want to speak to all of you who have the intention to get coached this year by an amazing coach, or who have some goals or intentions on your list for 2024, and really maybe question how you're going to get there or feel like, wow, I could, I could really use some coaching on this. Well, as you may have heard me talk about Elementum Coaching Institute is a coaching certification program that I co-founded and run. And as part of Elementum, we have a program called CIT, which is our coach and training program. And this is where we match our coaches and training that are supervised by myself and our staff with clients just like you at a very affordable price. It's six sessions. You are personally matched with your coach. It's not a random process. It's highly curated and you get so much positive feedback from it. The Elementum trained coaches, yes, they're in training, but they've Most of them have been coaches before they even got into Elementum and they've been in this program since September and they have done some incredible works. They are ready. They are excited and they are looking forward to coaching you. So if you want to apply for this, go to Elementum Coaching Institute slash CIT. That link will be in the show notes. The application is there. You'll get personally matched with someone. It's a six month coaching package. It's a very affordable price and we love supporting people in this way. So Check that out, elementumcoachinginstitute.com slash CIT. All right. As you're listening to this coaching call with Joey, consider, are you someone that wants more romance and passion in your relationship? Do you want more emotional intimacy in your relationship? Do you have abandonment wounds, which have made you more avoidant in relationship? And finally, are you willing to actually accept your partner for who they are and see that as the most romantic thing you could ever do? So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Joey. Joey, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hey, Christine. So what's on my heart tonight is 
gaining some clarity on how to create more space for emotional availability and intimacy in my marriage. Okay. Can you be more specific? Yes. So my husband, Craig, and I have really come full circle. We've done a lot of conscious healing work these last two years. I very much have been healing and looking into my own abandonment wound from childhood and some of the unconscious codependent ways that we've found in our relationship to support that abandonment wound from my childhood. And of course, his own wounds as well, but mostly mine because they've really stirred things up. And with all this healing and bringing stuff to the surface over the last two years, we've really changed a lot in our lives. So we've left our corporate jobs behind. I'm moving into coaching full time. And he's very much on a journey of finding out what's next for him in life. And one of the things that I find I still, well, now that I've done so much healing, I feel that I have more capacity to really show up for him differently and be available to him in new ways that I wasn't able to be there for him before. And I want to know how to create more space for that because my complaint is he's not emotionally available and connecting with me, but I don't know if that's really the truth. Um, perhaps it's more that I'm not comfortable with my own emotional availability and intimacy mm -hmm to a point that I can really be that and bring that to our relationship. Okay. Awesome. And, and an amazing awareness in all this. So I'm going to ask a basic question and I want you to answer this in the least evolved aware place. I just want you to be super direct, basic with me. Okay. What do you want from him that you're not getting? <sighs> romance, I think. And what does romance Passion? mean? Okay. And what does romance and passion mean and look like to you? Mm, the first things that come to my mind, strangely enough, are something like, like dancing together, being more sensual with one another. Mm -hmm. And was he romantic and sensual with you in the beginning? Partly, yes. But if I look back on our relationship, he's not really a very romantic guy. I think there was some wooing at the beginning and really like charming me, but that could have also just been from my perception coming across as more romantic than what I perceive him to be today. Right. And how long have you been together? 10 years. Ten years. <laughs> it's been a yeah. while. Yeah, it's been a while. And most men aren't really that romantic the way most women would like them to be, unless yeah. they're you know, we can look at love bombing and narcissists can be very romantic and very charming in certain ways, but especially culturally, men aren't really conditioned that way. They're conditioned to protect, provide, go out and, and like do something in the world and maybe be romantic when they're wanting to get the woman, but not so much within the relationship. And I'm not making a blanket statement against all men. I'm sure mm -hmm. there are many men out there. I know many men out there who are very romantic. I can think of two just off the top of my head. But often that archetype of man isn't as driven in other aspects of life. Again, this is a huge generalization, but I think we have to temper expectations and not project what 
we would want onto somebody else. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. I just want to ask you a couple more questions. What sure. is your husband passionate about in his life? Mm, great question. So he loves to play golf. He's an avid golfer. He is very passionate about wildlife. That's something we really share. Health and fitness is incredibly important to him. Those are like of his top values in life. And with that comes food, I guess, making food, preparing food, planning around food, everything to do with nourishing his body in a healthy, optimizing type way. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll give you an example from my own marriage. So I'd love this for my husband too. I think every woman would. And he was like that more in the beginning, but it's just not how my husband's exactly wired. But health and fitness is a big thing for him. So last mm -hmm. week I said, hey, let's go to an F45 class together. And we they put you in pairs, we got to work out together. And that was romantic. That led to passion. That led to intimacy. That led to deciding we were gonna spend the whole day together. And it was great because I wasn't expecting him to be romantic through, I don't know, a candlelit dinner and writing me poetry or whatever it may be. But <laughs> yes. I like found a way to connect to him through something we both enjoy and was really present and made that really fun. I share that with you because I think part of what is going to help you in this situation is knowing that when we have a fear of abandonment, the mm. bar we set for someone is even higher in mm -hmm. any aspect. Because there's a part of us that's always waiting to be hurt. When we set the bar that high, they can never achieve it. And there's a part of us that's like, oh, well, I won't be abandoned because I'm never actually going to get what I want from this person. Mm, that makes so much sense. That really, really resonates for me. Yeah. Yeah. What part of it resonates for you in your own words? The setting the bar so high that I have a reason to push him away. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So you've, you've got to work with what is. And this is some of the best marriage advice I could give is that when we accept our person, partner for who they are and don't expect them to be a fantasy version, more like an ex, more like parts of ourselves that we aspire to be but aren't stepping into, when we don't project anything on them and just work with what is, that's actually intimacy. Mm -hmm. Because we're truly accepting, like, I would say that the biggest thing that leads to passion and romance and intimacy in relationship is accepting your partner for who they are. Because then we aren't projecting. Projecting just leads to distance. It just creates walls between us and it just reinforces all of our wounds. So, mm -hmm. so for you... If you are wanting more romance and passion, one, you can create that, which is going to be a, a stretch for you. It's going to be a little bit of edging for you because with the fear of abandonment comes the fear of rejection. And so putting yourself out there in any way may bring a little like, ooh, you know, how is this going to go? But then taking the responsibility and getting excited about creating that in your marriage in a way that you think he's going to say yes to, or that, that actually is going to excite him as well, you're going to get much better results. So do you golf? No, no. no. <laughs> I, no. I walk along. 
I, I go along for the Great. for the nature and the walking beautiful. and the exercise of it. Yeah. Then beautiful. Next time you go golfing, make sure you guys go to lunch, just the two of you. And like uh, Steph and I went to dinner the other night and I said, you know, I'd really like to come up with our family values. We have our personal values, but we haven't come up with our family values. Let's talk about it. And I come with ideas of, of things to talk about. So we're not just talking about Athena and work and if we want to move and, you know, just the normal kind of everyday stuff that couples can get into talking about. So mm. come with some ideas of what you want to talk about, not about like, how are we going to have more intimacy, but just something that excites both of you to talk about, to dream about and acknowledge the heck out of him whenever he does anything remotely sensual, remotely intimate. Like if he walks by and I don't know, touches your arm or brushes your shoulder or pulls your hair back off your neck. Just be like, oh, that felt so good. I love that. Like mm. really nourish and encourage the little bits. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, that that so resonates. And and just having this conversation is allowing me actually to see that he does do that. He He really does all the time mention my body or brush up against me, even just in the everyday life like the normal small moments but mm -hmm. I think yeah I think it's so easy to actually overlook that by being married to someone or being with someone for so long they become the normal right so right. yeah right they become the normal and also when we get into you know you're in elementum you're going into coaching work we have super intimate conversations when we're in coach training and we're in personal development and we're in those containers and expecting that level of depth with our day-to-day -day partner, like a lot of the time is like expecting to be in a personal development course together. So oh, yes. Yeah. So really like allowing room for just the everyday, allowing room for the lightness. So we're allowing room for the more shallow end of the pool. and then when the depth needs to be there, it can be there. So one of the things that Terry Reels talks about in his five rules for having a great relationship is that one of the no's is unbridled self-expression. And what he means by that is like your, your romantic partner probably shouldn't be the person that you explore the depth of your soul with, even though that sounds super romantic and amazing and sacred union-y, it's better with a therapist or a coach. You know, every thought, every feeling, every depth of emotion maybe shouldn't be in our marriage. Yes, having deep conversation, letting someone know us very intimately, letting someone see our most shameful, deepest, darkest places, that's definitely part of conscious relationship and sacred union. But we also need to make sure we have space outside of relationship to get that need filled so that the lines of intimacy don't get blurred. And push us more into that like personal development, exploring every nook and cranny, unbridled self-expression place of us. Does that make sense? Oh, so much, Christine. And just having you say this is such a permission slip because I think it's so easy, you know, as a new coach to project also onto our mentors and especially mentors that are doing this in partnership that they are having that, that 
detailed relationship all the time with all the the deep conversations and talking about every single feeling when you've just confirmed to me that it that's that's not necessarily Mm-mm. where one, one is hoping to get so Mm-mm. yeah thank you for your honesty and transparency on that that really yeah that just brings so much relief to my heart because in some way shape or form I've I've really thought that my relationship there's something really missing because I'm not having those very detailed um, conversations all the time Mm. yeah believe me you don't want to be having those detailed conversations all the time it can lead to enmeshment and codependence yeah and you know, I'll, I'll reiterate again, because I, I hear you hearing me, but I just want to make sure that people listen, hear me as well. Yes. I would say Steph is the person that knows me most intimately out of everyone in the world. I mean, everything from seeing me give birth to my lowest moments, to knowing my family, to knowing my childhood, to, you know, seeing me on stage and seeing me on my bathroom floor crying. Like he's seen all versions of me. That said, I make sure, we both make sure we have our therapist outside the relationship and that we aren't expecting this like deep conscious, we're intimate and like in it all the time because that's just not sustainable. So with this fear of abandonment, I want to go back to that for a second. So one of the things that you're learning and you know this, I'm just going to maybe say it in a different way or reiterate things that you know. When we have that abandonment wound, we often end up with an insecure attachment. And so you're learning how to do relationship. You're learning how to do it. And survival strategies are going to come up. So one of the things that will help you just naturally have more intimacy in your relationship and more passion and more connection, because one of the things that kills passion in a relationship is when either, especially both partners, are in survival strategies because it shuts down our heart. It puts us more in that reptilian part of our brain. Our nervous system isn't regulated and it doesn't lead to intimacy. So a question I'd have for you is because of wounding and because there probably is some subconscious patterning and belief that relationship isn't safe, what are your survival strategies? What are the things that you do you, you mentioned a little bit in the beginning, but I'd love to know more. What are the things you do that move you away from intimacy? Mm-hmm. Great, great question. It's definitely finding fault. So very much becoming very resentful and expectant of what he's not doing in the relationship, which then in turn creates an opportunity for me to create conflict fight and disconnect as you've mentioned and in other words push him away another survival strategy that I've recently come face to face with is a fantasy world so really escaping into a fantasy reality where I idolize another man outside of our relationship and form like a fantasy bond Mm -hmm. relationship with like an affair And that has really taken a toll on me and my marriage over the last two years because that seemed to have come to the surface. And I've really come full circle with that to 
realize that it's it's a way that I escape. It's not yeah. real. It's a way that I've kept myself safe in childhood. Exactly. And it's a way, yeah, that my mind creates this illusion and it's not it's not reality. So yeah, yeah. those would be the two main ways. Yeah. And what does that, especially the survival strategy of fantasy, what does that give you? Oh, the highest highs. It's so enthralling. It's all the passion. It's living life on such a high while that fantasy is alive in my mind. It can right. last for, for days. And right. yeah, until I then come out of it and crash and mm -hmm. realize that, oh, this yeah. is painful what I'm what I'm playing out here. When we don't have consistent and reliable love and safety as a child, we aren't really getting the chemicals in our brain the way we need to. And because of trauma, the brain can also often look for more places where it can get dopamine. Mm -hmm. Because the nervous system is used to being dysregulated, it's wanting that feel-good feeling because there wasn't, see, if when there isn't that consistency of love and safety and joy and all those things and security in childhood, we have to look for those highs because the lows are so low. Mm -hmm. So wanting that dopamine hit is one of the ways your brain has tried to get what it needs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what will be super useful for you moving forward is like, how can you create a more sustainable place of contentment because oftentimes what someone who's looking for the high is really wanting is just contentment. Like how much as a child would you have loved consistency of love and safety? Mm, so much. Right. You would have traded that for any high. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're craving that high, I just want you to remind yourself of, oh, actually what I really need is consistency and stability. And that's what my mm. husband provides. Uh, and if you yes. Can, yeah. <laughs> and if you can lean into that being exciting, that's great. And then in your sex life, if you want to bring that element of fantasy in, that's a great place to explore it. Like if you love that part of you and that's part of your turn on, I'm not saying squash it. I'm more saying use it in a way that serves your marriage versus pulls mm -hmm. you away from it. Mm, but I love bringing, that. bringing the fantasy into relationship, that's real intimacy. Having the fantasy outside of relationship, that's avoidance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And escaping and keeping that chaos alive in, in so many ways once I crash from it and come down right. from it. But what you've just said really hit home as well is with bringing the fantasy into my relationship because I think so far I've, I've done a lot of work in healing that, but I've almost shunned it. Like I right. need to get rid of it. No. Whereas what, what you're bringing in now is the element that I can actually still utilize that and make that work in my marriage. Never mm -hmm. thought of it like that before. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say is one of the things that I have learned about men over the years is they're so good with following directions. They really love being told what to do. 
not in a controlling way, but they, especially in healthy relationship, men really love pleasing their lady. They do. And I think we could say the same thing. Like, I love it when Steph tells me this is exactly what I would like. And I'm like, I can do that. I love it when anyone tells me, like when someone tells me this is what I'd like for a gift, or this is how I'd like you to help me. I'm like, amazing. Instructions are great. (laughs) So, but men especially, often they don't know and see things that the female brain can. So if there's something specific that you want, be really clear. Sometime within the next month, I would love to come home to candles and a bath. I don't care what day it is. I would just love that. Here's where the candles are. Here's the bath thing. (laughs) That would really mean a lot to me. And I'd love you to join me in it if you want, or if you want it alone, whatever you want. I want you to try again, because of that fear of rejection that comes with abandonment, we often have trouble asking for what we want and then blame the other person for not being sensual or romantic or passionate enough. So I want you to take a little more responsibility for really being clear with what you want and specific, not vague. Like saying, I'd like you to do something romantic for me is very different than I'd like a candlelight bath with this music playing. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I really hear you on that. The specificity and the detail is important. And, and he always delivers when I do do that, but you're right. I, I don't really, I'm, I'm quite vague when I ask cause yeah, I think that is, as you said, tied to my childhood and my fear of rejection as well. Yeah. So And testing him. Like, are you really going to do it? Or are you just going to be someone else that hurts me? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, giving, give, setting him up for success too. And exactly. Yeah, really allowing him the opportunity to be connected and emotional, emotionally exactly. available and intimate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Is this help? Has it been helpful? So helpful. You know, it's, it's these, these conversations are, are really the stepping stones in unfolding the the bigger questions that we exactly. have on our hearts. And yeah, I just really appreciate all the things you said and shared and your knowledge and wisdom around your own marriage. So thank you yeah. so much, Christine. Yeah. And as you know, marriage is, you know, it's, it's not a consistently fill in the blank all the time. It's two humans. Do you have children? No, not okay. yet. Well, it's she well that adds a whole nother layer. It's two humans bumping up against each other and all their inner child stuff and their attachment styles and their moods and their hormones and whether or not they slept and like all kinds of things. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I think again, with the abandonment wound, sometimes we look at the marriage to replace what we didn't get from a parent. And a parent-child relationship is so much different than a lover-lover relationship. And so when we project our unmet needs of our parents onto a partner, they will never live up to that because it's a different kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And that's very much what we've been undoing over the last few years. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're doing great work. I, I hope that you enjoy his homecoming and getting to see him again. And maybe there's something that you can do to (laughs) bring some romance in. Yeah, you've got my creative juices flowing now. I've got Amazing. I've got a lot of things on my mind to to bring and spice up things and yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much. 
So thank you to Joey for being so coachable and being open to maybe perhaps a different perspective. I could hear that Joey has done a lot of work on herself, has a lot of awareness. And so really the opportunity here wasn't to dig deeper into that to dig deeper into the why. I mean, we touched on it a little bit in the sense that she may be subconsciously testing her partner as a way to protect herself because that's something we do when we just expect to be abandoned. We then kind of push someone to the place where they might either abandon us or reject us in, in some way. And so we talked about that subconscious programming. But what I really wanted to support her with is reframing how she looks at romance, passion, and intimacy. And I think we all are programmed by movies and books and all the things we see about what romance and passion and relationship looks like. And especially we all can relate to that initial stage of relationship where it's just so hot and heavy and you can't get enough of each other. And then it's like, all right, but 10 years later, (laughs) how do you sustain that? And you can't, you cannot sustain the initial hormonal rush that happens when you first get together with someone. You just can't. Now, what you can do is grow the passion because you grow intimacy. You know, when you initially meet someone, even if it's your soulmate and fireworks go off, the kind of intimacy you have with someone after you know them five years, 10 years, 20 years is much deeper. And unfortunately, that cannot be so hot sometimes because you know someone a little too well. However, if you can reframe how you see that as like, wow, I really get to know this person and see all of this person, like, can that be a turn on? And also, can you find the things that light them up romantic? I gave the example in the show of Steph and I going to a workout class. Now, Most people wouldn't say an F45 class is exactly romantic, but that's such a zone that Steph loves and that he thrives in. And so that was romantic. You know, my brain that grew up on romantic movies and rom-coms and all of that might not have picked that, might've picked something else, but I know my husband, I know what lights him up and that was intimacy. So connect to your partner in a way that lights them up instead of expecting them to romance you and seduce you in a way that you think you need or in a way that you've seen in the movies or in the way that your friend's partner is doing it. And let that build the passion. Because when you're constantly on someone to be more romantic, more passionate, more emotionally available, do you think that's a turn on for them? No. But when you really take interest in what they love, then that's going to light them up and you're going to get that back as well. I promise inviting Steph to that workout and just being in his world with him. And I I like working out too. Don't get me wrong. That it came back to me. So I think sometimes we overthink what intimacy and relationship can look like. I also mentioned Terry Real talking about the, you know, unbridled expression and Every moment of every day with your partner does not need to be this deep, intimate, we need to like discuss everything kind of thing because then it becomes more like you're in a personal development program together and that's not super hot either. So I hope this gives you some rational 
perspective on especially long-term relationships about what romance and intimacy can really look like. And I'll say it again, that the most romantic thing that we can do is fully accept our partner for who they are, hold lots of room for them to grow, but not expect them to change. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.